Welcome back to the 123 Show with me, Noreen Mir. On this Thursday afternoon, let's turn to our very first guest of the day. Uh, today, this afternoon, we'll be hearing about Esperanza, which is a Hong Kong-based non-profit organization that seeks to build social capital for change makers and also catalyze changes in the way we learn, live and work. And I'm really delighted to be joined on the line right now by Rachel Chan, the co-founder of Esperanza. Welcome on the program, Rachel. It's so nice to speak to you today. How are you doing? Hello, Noreen. How are you? I'm fine. Yeah, it's been so many years. So, Rachel, I think you, <laughs> you were one of the first people to, uh, you and Ada Wong were one of the first people to hire me to, to do uh, MC work many, many years yeah. ago. <laughs> yeah. Then you were like in the primary school, right? <laughs> <laughs> Many years ago, so thank you for the opportunity. And I'm so excited to speak to you because I feel like at different stages of your life, you've just been such an innovator. So perhaps let's start with your latest uh, venture. Let's talk about Esperanza. Tell us a little mm-hmm. bit more about this. I mean, what is it exactly? Well, actually, you summarize it very well. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a charity, and it was established two years ago. Uh, we want to advocate new ways to learn, live, and work in the 21st century. And the name Esperanza, as you may know, is a Spanish word, uh, meaning hope, uh, because we really believe hope is the mother of progress and also very essential for keeping us happy and hopeful every day, right? And what we do, we identify innovators from Hong Kong and around the world, and we channel community resources to help them do their work better, bigger, faster, to maximize their impact. And since our establishment, uh, we have been working on the theme of reimagining education, since education is really, we think, the most important pillar in every society. Absolutely. And hope is so important, like you said, in, in, yeah. in every aspect. Where did this idea come from? I, I know you've worked in, in, in sort of several areas. Um, your bio is is impressive. I mean, you've worked in the government uh, previously. Yeah. Uh, you, you've been a consultant to the Hong Kong Design Center. You, you've been a marketer for the Trade Development Council. Um, you, you currently also teach at HKU Value Driven Innovation. You were awarded one of the Good 100 Global Citizens uh, by the government, and you're also so uh, the Investor Promotion Ambassador of uh, the Hong Kong SAR government. I mean, where did this idea of starting Esperanza really come from? Yeah, you know, I, I used to work in the government, actually with Mr. John Zhang, uh, my co-founder. And um, since I left the government, you know, I've stayed in touch with John. He has always been very supportive of the work that I been doing in promoting entrepreneurship and innovation. And a few years ago, you know, he left the government, but he did not formally retire. He's still very active in many areas. And since we share a lot of common interests in promoting innovation and entrepreneurship with a social purpose, so we thought, let's do something together uh, to help the change makers in the society. And another thing is we really see the importance of multi-sector and cross-border partnership. Uh, We believe that this is the way to go to tackle nowadays the very complex social challenges. And so we just try, you know, this, what we call, you know, it's kind of like a startup NGO. (laughs) (laughs) 
Exactly. I don't think there's anything like this in Hong Kong so far. So who are the sort of people that you work with? Who are these change makers that you you sort of uh, collaborate with? Yeah, we essentially, we work like a startup. You know, we have a very small kind of setup, but we work with a lot of partners locally and internationally. Uh, They can be startups, educators, governments, uh, corporates, career professionals, people with money, investors, foundations, and obviously the media like you, (laughs) and all other like-minded people in the community. Yeah. Um, I know this, like you said, the theme that you're working on is really to do with education. I want to specifically focus on education in Hong Kong. Uh, Mm -hmm. Do you find that we are sort of lagging behind compared to other places? I mean, how are we doing in terms of uh, our education for for the young people? Um, (laughs) I think, you know, it's a worldwide problem, you know, honestly. Uh, Our entire education system is failing to catch up with the evolving needs of the society. And I'm sure you may have heard about this. You know, a lot of people say that we are teaching students in the 21st century with teachers who are trained in the last century and with a model that we inherited for more than 200 years ago. Yeah, that's true. And I think Hong Kong is not really unique, but in a way, we are quite typical of like an Asian culture. Uh, we have a system that is extremely exam-oriented, and we place too much emphasis on grades, but not enough attention to nurturing the very important life skills. That's quite worrying in, in a sense that, yeah. you, you know, yeah, 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 you're right. A lot of the answers, we can just Google them. You know, exactly. we, we shouldn't be teaching. I mean, we should be teaching people how to learn rather than just learning things. And there are some exactly. softer skills that, yeah, we, yeah. we should be learning. Yeah. Um, so, well, which areas of education are we doing well then in Hong Kong? I mean, I, I see, you know, STEM education perhaps being pushed uh, in, in recent years, perhaps coding as well. We're seeing more of that. Are, are we doing better in terms of those areas that we're valuing these skills? Um, if you look at the PISA scores, you know, PISA is a global study that compares the academic performances of 15-year-olds across, you know, different places. Hong Kong students actually, we perform quite well in the PISA comparison. But in terms of Asia, you know, this region, we, Hong Kong actually is ranked behind mainland China, Singapore, and even Macau in reading skills, in math, and also in science. Oh, wow. I thought we were doing quite well, but it sounds like we are actually behind uh, many of our counterparts. I mean, yeah. can, can you share? I, I know you work a lot with, you know, those are your sort of stakeholders. Can you share any stories with us of, you know, findings that you've come across? Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I meet quite a lot of people in the education sector. And a few weeks ago, um, I was doing a talk to some 40 secondary school teacher, teachers. And they are all very well aware of the importance of, you know, coding skills, digital skills. But when I asked how many of them 
uh, teaching coding in a school, and only one teacher raised her hand. Only one. And only one. Almost like almost forty of them, and she happened to teach in a school for children with special learning needs. And she said, "Oh yeah, our school is very committed to you know teach coding because our students really enjoy it and they are actually very good at it." And at that time, it, it really dawned on me that well, maybe in a few years' time, her students may stand a better chance in getting you know something in the job market, <laughs> whereas you know the majority of our students may not be well equipped for that. Because they're sort of more forward-thinking, and they see the sort of demand in, in that sort of tech-based area where coding is very important. Is is that primary school or secondary school uh, students? Uh, it's a secondary school. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and I think maybe you know for this school and maybe for other similar uh, SEN school, they really see the potential of their students in this area, and they work hard to help their students to really hone their skills in this area. Whereas in you know the majority of schools in Hong Kong, we don't really take a customized, personalized approach. We don't really look into what. What is the potential of the student, and how the student is different from the other student, and what should we, you know, help him or her to learn? We don't take this approach. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when it comes to employment, I mean, speaking of you know, certain students hold uh, standing a better chance. When it comes to employment opportunities, um, are Hong Kong youths at a sort of disadvantage compared with, you know, our mainland counterparts? And I ask that because I have friends in, in finance and um, they've sort of outright said, if it comes to choosing between a, 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 gradu- a Hong Kong graduate and a mainland mm-hmm. graduate, they are more likely to choose the mainland graduate because mm-hmm. they've got better mm-hmm. language skills, they can speak the, yeah, you know, Mandarin, yeah, yeah. their English is perhaps better yeah. than some of the, the our, our local students. I mean, are Hong Kong students at a disadvantage? I must say, you know, increasingly we've heard more and more of this kind of hearsay or stories about, you know, comparing Hong Kong students with, you know, students from mainland China or elsewhere. Um, I must say, Hong Kong students are still good, you know, in certain areas. For example, I still believe that Hong Kong students, despite what most people think we are quite creative. Uh, Hong Kong students are quite kind of agile and flexible, you know, typical Hong Kong culture. We, we know how to solve problems in a very pragmatic way. You know, we're all so-called you know, street wise people, but uh, there are areas that uh, our youth really need to work harder. Um, you know, I mentioned STEM skills, very obvious. And so, uh, you know, language and communication skills, you, you, you know, actually you hit on this point, whether it's Putonghua or even English. And it's not just the mastery of language, it's how we communicate. Mm-hmm. And this is an area that we really don't do very well in helping our students to, you know, develop their communication skills. And, and obviously, don't forget all the important soft skills like curiosity, which is so important nowadays, confidence, and this is related to communication skills. And also we would like to stress the importance of a global perspective. This is also very important. Yeah. So, I mean, what can we sort of learn from, you know, other places and and perhaps the mainland? 
Yeah, a lot to say on this area. Because in Hong Kong, we are competing with all other places on talents and for talent. And many places in Asia, you know, like mainland China, Singapore, UAE, Australia, they all have developed a very strategic manpower kind of blueprint. Uh, especially in response to the pandemic, how the workforce can rise up to the challenges of the pandemic and also the associated kind of acceleration in the digital transformation process. And, you know, we, we really need like a blueprint covering, you know, what the government, the businesses and the academic institutes all the different parties can do and also should do together to reskill and upskill our workforce. Mm -hmm. You know, for example, I, I love to quote Singapore because they've been doing it so long ago and very strategic and very holistic approach. Uh, you know, almost like 10 years ago, they already launched a skills future movement. And then they have another adapt and grow initiative to help its citizens to transition into a knowledge economy. And last year, I still remember back in March last year, just, you know, at the onset of the pandemic, their government has, you know, really very quickly uh, set up a task force to look into how all these uh, workforce readiness initiatives can be enhanced because of the pandemic and focusing on the development of digital skills for Singaporeans and also the transformation of certain sectors that are badly hit by COVID, you know, such as the hospitality industry, because they're so well aware that, you know, things will never be the same again for, for this kind of industry. And how are we going to help people working in this sector if they can't find the same job again? Yeah, and that's so important to sort of, I mean, knowledge is a, you know, a non-finite resource. And, and you know, I often see that it's important to, to invest in sectors such as education, such as communication, such as technology and such as, you know, information. And, and I feel like, I, I think while Hong Kong tries to promote these things, we're still always known as a financial hub. It's always sort of known as that. And how do we sort of upskill um, our youth? How do we upskill uh, young people? Uh, it, does it start from school? Does it start from other areas as well? I, I actually think it's a very fundamental issue here. We, the whole society, we really need to challenge some of our assumptions or beliefs. You know, for example, you know, what is the purpose of education? Yes. Is it getting into a university? Should it be the end goal of it? Should we stop learning after we graduate from the university? Uh, what should we learn? You know, as you might rightly pointed out, if we can Google everything, I mean, what's the point of feeding students with knowledge or even worse, outdated knowledge? And corollary to this is what should be the role of teachers if they're main role actually is not to impart knowledge. What should a teacher do? And, you know, what are the essential life skills that we should develop for our, teacher, uh, for our children? And how actually could they learn these life skills? So these are all very 
fundamental questions that we really need to ask, you know, the why, the what, and how of education. And obviously, the pandemic has really hastened, you know, the urgency of all these issues. How can we resolve these challenges? And the pandemic has also demonstrated that there are different ways to learn other than sitting in a classroom. And there's also evidence, as you said, you know, showing that technology, if used in the right and appropriate way, can help empower, motivate, and personalize learning and you know, evaluate and track the performances of students more effectively. Rather than, uh, rather than just exams. And that's, exactly. such a, that's such a great point, Rachel. It reminds me of this book, you know, 100 Year Life, um, where yeah. we're, we're living longer than ever. Should the model exactly. still be, you know, university until 22 and then get a job then and then that's it? That's the end of education? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And John, he, he, he always liked to, you know, question this, you know, if you look at how government allocate our resources, now it's all front-loaded, you know. It's kind of almost stopped, you know, after a person reached, you know, the age of 22 or 23. But if we all live up to 100 and we all expect ourselves to work at least until 70, exactly. what's going to happen <laughs> in that 15 years time? <laughs> Exactly. Uh, well, we've got three minutes before the news. Um, I understand you've uh, um, often got uh, upcoming events and also uh, online uh, webinars. Have you got anything uh, coming up and how can we find out more about Esperanza? Oh, yes. Um, on the 24th of April, coming up very soon, we'll have a free webinar for school leaders. Uh, this is a webinar about how schools can transition from remote learning to blended learning. And we have invited experts from the International Society for Technology and Education and also an Israeli startup that runs a virtual coding platform to introduce what they can do and what Hong Kong teachers and how Hong Kong students can get involved in. And if you want to find out more, check out our website, uh, live, and also follow us on Facebook and LinkedIn. Rachel, it's been such a pleasure to catch up with you and to hear more about your wonderful work at Esperanza. Rachel Chan, the co-founder of Esperanza, which is a Hong Kong-based charity that seeks to build social capital for change makers and for young people here in Hong Kong. Thank you so much for your time, and I look forward to chatting with you another time. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Bye-bye. When the sun comes up, I get-